0: Good to have you here on this Tuesday. Kevin B.J. is not here. Ben Troop is here. And we're rocking you through here on Three and Out. So much to get to. George Foster, former uh, Georgia offensive lineman, won the SEC uh, with the Dogs. He'll join us coming up in just a little bit. Also, Willie McClendon, former University of Georgia All-American running back and SEC player of the year in 1978. We'll talk about Georgia and Michigan. His son, who also played there uh, at Georgia, wide receiver Georgia, is now the interim head coach. At Oregon, after uh, Mario Cristobal uh, leaves to take the Miami job, we'll talk to David Waters of Gators Breakdown. Billy Napier, formerly introduced, and now is out uh, on the road trying to uh, recruit in the final days before early, early signing period. And uh, certainly some of the early notes are you know up the recruiting uh, budget uh, to try to compete. Uh, with the likes of Georgia and Alabama there in the SEC from a financial standpoint. So we got a lot to get to here on the show, but Mario Cristobal uh, officially introduced at Miami. He played at Miami uh, 89-92. to Uh, Cristobal's getting $8 million a year as part of Miami, I guess, getting serious about football. I I guess that's the the, the catchphrase when you tell people that's code for we're just going to spend a whole bunch more money. We're getting serious. About football Doesn't mean you're going to be any better, but you're getting serious uh, about it as well. But he comes in, again, I feel like Miami's gone this route. You know what, Randy Shannon uh, was a former South Florida guy, right? Former U player. It didn't work. Mark Rick was a former uh, Miami Hurricane. I know he quit for health reasons, but that necessarily... I, I don't think was going to continue. Manny Diaz, a South Florida guy, to, and now you go back, Mario Cristobal, a South Florida guy, a former Hurricane. Ben, what are the expectations there? And you know, is sometimes you you hear schools getting locked into, hey, we're going to stay inside the family. We want a we want a huh. we want a Penn State man. We yeah. want a Virginia Tech man. We, yeah. The whole thing with uh, Harbaugh, at Michigan. Well, he's a Michigan man. It's yeah. like. Just go get the, get the best guy for the job. I'm not saying Mario Cristobal is not a great coach. Certainly not say that. But how do you see this going? And certainly he is a guy that is a – he's a Miami guy. He's, he understands the program. So how do you think this goes uh, there for the Canes?
1: I mean, Kevin, it, it really, really depends on what, what they expect, what you expect from Cristobal, you know, as, a, as, a, as an alum – or as a fan, as an alum, I think you want to just get get them back to just competing for ACC championships, right? They've only been to one ACC championship, but he's doing it the right way, right? When 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 Billy Napier, now the new head coach of Florida, came in, his spending budget I think was at seven point five million for assistants and analysts trying to trying to do it. I think coming in right behind Alabama, Chris Ball said, "Look, uh, I want to be able to I want to to be able to compete with them. I got to be able to at least mimic what they're doing." So, so far so good, Kevin. You, and you know, I mean, he. I, I what's scary to me about a former player trying to do things the, quote, Miami way, especially when you had as much success as Crystal had when he was at Miami, that's not happening. Like, look how far college football has come since then. It used to be a time Miami didn't have to worry about not getting guys from South Florida. They'll stay in South Florida. Them boys going to Gainesville and Tallahassee. They going to, they going to Tampa now and Orlando now. It's Cause that's how far it is, because the brand, Kevin, you and I, you, me and BJ, we understand the history of college football, especially some of these teams. Man, you it might as well, it might as well be most cars now, to show you, do not have CD players in them. Why? Because they don't make CDs anymore. <laughs> that, that, that's how far we've come along. So when you think about it, Christopher, I, I applaud what he's doing, Kevin. But you know just like I know, Kevin, it's rougher when it's a former guy because the, the conversation is, man, back when you played, look who he played with. Michael Irvin ain't fixing to walk out of this locker room with him. You, you had some of the greatest players, not just in Miami, but maybe in college football history. Now, I give him a lot of credit. He understands I need to be able to recruit. I need to be able to have the, the new thing is analysts. Shout out to Nick Saban. Yeah. Innovating that. But Kevin, you know, just like I know, if you don't got a great quarterback, if you can't beat, if you can't beat the Clemson out of pits and the Wake Forests of the world, it's gonna be much to do about nothing. Because this is the same Miami team that two years ago lost at home to Georgia Tech. Yep. So when you start talking about where you are as a program, hey, Crystal Ball was a sexy high, right? Kevin they had, because Miami looking around saying, dude, Florida's doing this. My God, what, what do we do to get keep people talking about us in Florida State? Let's go out there and get uh, you know, Crystal Ball. Okay, but we got Manny Diaz. So Manny Diaz was at Temple. He was, Manny, let's face it, Manny Diaz was a band-aid for a flesh wound. Like he was, he was trying to make a problem go away and it didn't. But Kevin, I just think that reality perception is gonna be it's gonna be far and wide when you talk about Miami, because you're talking about one of the most storied college programs in college football. And I think sometimes they hoping to get back to that. Ain't no 30 for 30s coming out of my – those days are over with. Can they get back to being nationally relevant and competing for the ACC? Maybe. I think that's realistic. Because, Kevin, you know that like I know. Until the college football playoff expands, Miami is not going to be one of those teams. And it's not because they lack talent. It's not because they lack resources. It's just college football has changed. You got to really compete with the other schools. It used to be you had to compete with Florida, Florida State. Dare I say they're competing with FAU, FIU, UCF, USF? Because the brand Miami is there, but the product on the field isn't there. We'll see what happens with Crystal Ball. From what I'm hearing, he won the uh, the, uh, the press conference, Kevin, but I'm, I'm kind of weary of that now. I don't want to hear the, oh, my God, say all the right things. Yeah, but thank God he ain't got to play Utah because I'm just saying you're going to get a team's best year in a year out. But, Kevin, as you all know, there are no Mulligans anymore. You're going to have to come out winning games. Right now, oh, and by the way, still got to try to have a good uh, signing class with uh, a an uh, early signing day rapidly approaching.
0: Certainly, look, and, and I think uh, for for Miami, it, it, we've talked about this with, with Florida State and some others, is are you trying to have a good program or are you trying to chase the good old days of, of the program? A- again, I think Alabama's doing it, and everybody thinks that's what we aspire to be. But I think the days of a whole lot of teams thinking that, you know, You can go Nebraska, Miami, Florida State. Oh, we'll go back. We'll be top five for a decade straight. Nope. I mean, Alabama does it, and that is a rarity, and that is because they are recruiting the best players with the best talent seemingly year after year, and on top of that may have one of the best coaches or the best coach to ever do it. Uh, Ben, and again, it's one thing to say, well, I can recruit. I mean, if if Nick's – there's been plenty of guys that – I mean, Alabama's always been able to recruit – uh, whoever they get, it's Alabama. They care about football. They have had a long tradition. They win championships. You got to have the coach that can bring it home. I mean, to win a championship as the way Nick Saban's doing it. I don't know that we're ever going to see a Miami like we saw before, right? I don't know that we're ever going to see a Florida State be in the top four for 15 years like they were in the past. I think we're starting to see college football truly hit that parity. I mean, look at the bowl schedule, for crying out loud. How many 6-6 six and six and 7-5 and five teams are out there in, in this bowl? I mean, 85 scholarships. Everybody's on. It used to be even, you know, I I don't consider myself that old, but, I mean, you know, I'm middle-aged, but then I'm not so far removed where it still used to be, you know, ESPN, ESPN2. Yep. Maybe there were ABC. There might have been 10, 12 football games yep. on TV. Literally, if you are a fan of any team, you can watch your football game. Most, of, A lot of them are on TV. Most of them you know, the ones that aren't streamed. But, I mean, you look at the SEC. During a college football weekend, especially in league play, every single SEC game is on TV. Every single ACC team is on TV. Every single Big 12 Big Ten's got the Big Ten network. If a a major network or a major cable network's not going to pick it up, guess what? The league has a TV channel and we'll put it on. So I, I think everybody can get noticed. Everybody can get seen. Uh, seen a lot. If you're worried about the stage, I mean, we talk about guys from uh, not the, we don't talk about Alabama and Georgia when we're talking about great players potentially going to the next level. Uh, you're talking about guys like a Kenny Pickett could be a high draft pick. Uh, Levi Lewis could be a guy uh, that could be a a, a a high draft pick. I mean, these are guys from all over the place and the opportunity unless you just are like, I want to win a championship, you can go and play competitive football at a high level almost anywhere. In college football right now. And I think you're seeing that uh, across the board where, uh, okay, Alabama, Georgia have the best recruiting classes, and they're typically up there. But outside of that, everybody else is mixing it up. I mean, look at the SEC. I told uh, SEC put out a thing. 13 teams are making a bowl game out of the SEC. Now, that's a great thing to tout for sure. But look, at but
1: look at the record. But exactly. look at the records. Exactly. Six and six and seven and five. Tennessee, had a, Tennessee finished with a better record than Florida and South Carolina. Right. Kentucky, Kentucky with nine to three. Uh, Tennessee with seven to five. Then you got a bunch of six and sixes. And I think you make a great point, Kevin. It's like since crystal ball has no longer been at, you know, Miami, it's kind of gotten even. Now, I, I get it. Certain teams got the prestige. Like, I, I get it. You know, you got – A gazillion ESPN channel, ESPN. One, two, three, ESPN. You, all these different things. But, Kevin, you're right. With the addition of an ACC network, how many times between when your team played and next week can you see the game? Now, it's coming on all day long so you can see it, so the exposure is there. But you know just like I know. You work at certain companies for certain reasons. The reason why certain companies can pay what other companies can't is because of how much money, how much revenue those teams bring in. But I'm not – I tell people this all the time. You want to make millions of dollars? What kind of expectations do you think come with that? Crystal Ball is the highest-paid coach in the state. Hide, listen, than uh, Napier. And look at what look at what Napier had to do to even get consideration in Florida. He couldn't just be another coach in the Sun Belt. He had to win the Sun Belt, you know, and beat Appalachian State. I mean, now I give it Crystal Ball, He's kind of been waving the flag, right? You know, for the Pac-12. But it ain't, you know. But but, but this is what Crystal Ball done? This is what he really did. Kayvon Thibodeau, who right now is the number two prospect coming out in the 2022 draft, went to Oregon. He chose Oregon. Me and B.J. were at when uh, Coach Willie Taggart's first game at Florida State. uh, Kayvon Thibodeau was there, and he was out there like the president. He was out there by himself. I'm, I'm fanboying. I don't even know who Kayvon Thibodeau is. I might have taken pictures with the kid. I don't even know who he is. And when the other recruits came out, they let him go back in. So he does have that ability. But does Kayvon Thibodeau go to Miami? If Crystal Ball is at Miami and not Oregon because he's a California kid, these people want to try to keep it close to home, Kevin, the recruiting rankings better reflect what he just did because if I got a gazillion analysts breaking down third-down conversions and who the best slot receiver, you know, between third and sixth and third, th- third and two, you're going to have to be able to have the results on the field. I mean, I don't doubt it, but Miami they Miami is stubborn in this way. They want to do it with a Miami player. They want to do it with a former Miami alum or some or have some Miami ties. They want to be able to do that. I mean, good luck with that. Because the ACC is changing, and if the ACC is going to be more 2021 moving forward, Kevin, it's going to be a free-for-all, especially if Clemson can't get their act together. Yeah, I think
0: there is some upward mobility, especially on that side of the the conference for, for Mario Cristobal. But again, as you said, the expectations are going to be huge for Mario Cristobal to come in and get that program at a championship level. Started with an ACC championship and certainly... They want to be contending for a playoff spot, and maybe there's an expanded playoff, and they can. But they want to be contending for that playoff spot, uh, no doubt. We got so much to get to here on the show when we return. George Foster, former Georgia offensive lineman, will join us as Georgia gets ready for Michigan in the Orange Bowl. How much work do they have to do to get back to that uh, that level where they can knock off an Alabama to win a national championship uh, and recover from what happened on a Saturday? He'll join us next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back on this Tuesday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop. Glad you are with us. Getting ready for a bowl season after the conference championship games last week. And uh, again, Georgia dropping one to Alabama. How do they regroup and get ready for Michigan? Joining us here on the program, former uh, Georgia offensive lineman, SEC champion, George Foster. Joins us here on 3 and Out. George, welcome to the show. How are you?
2: Doing great, man. Glad to be here.
0: Hey, appreciate you coming on and uh, and joining us. And uh, obviously winning the SEC means a a whole lot. Georgia was there with uh, with Alabama. Didn't play their best game, obviously, on uh, Saturday. How do you put that behind you? And know that hey, there's a playoff where you may have to play those dudes again, uh, but there's a kind of a second chance at it upcoming.
2: You really have no choice, and you also got to get ready for a Michigan team that has the same record as you, although in a different conference. Um, that some may seem to think is uh, probably inferior to the SEC, tougher opponents. But they're eleven and one for a reason. Have a Heisman candidate rushing off the edge you have to, you have to see them first. Um, do I think they can handle Michigan? Um, absolutely. But you have to take care of business first and then you might get a chance to see Alabama again, but you're going to have to play better football to beat Bama. Bama, uh, just, just talking to people that watched them all year. Uh, they, the consensus is they played their best game all year. And it looks to me like Georgia played their worst game all year. So that's a recipe for, uh, a win for Bama. So, um, we get to see if they can do it again after they take take care of business in Miami.
1: And George, when you think about this uh, this Michigan team, uh, you know Georgia getting ready to play, kind of kind of like how George, kind of like how Georgia used to play with running the football. Do you think that's going to be a winning recipe for Georgia's offense to kind of take the ball out of Stetson Ben's hand a little bit with that with those bookend pass rushes and try to get back and running the football?
2: Well, I think you just have, you have to take what's there. I think uh, Georgia has the ability to be balanced. Uh, Stetson just can't let the moment get too big for him. Uh, he, he had 340 yards, passed for three touchdowns, but the glaring the, the problem was the uh, the two picks and the one t- return for a touchdown. You can't have those. Other than those, I know it's, it's it's easy to say take these two plays away, and he had a decent game. But that's that's the fact of the matter. Those those two plays didn't have to happen, and so. I think he's mature enough to learn from that, and still going to the, um, the the next game, uh, the mission game, and still you know, and still throw it around a little bit because you got you got weapons on the outside. Number nineteen, Bowers. I haven't seen. You don't see many freshmen that you could probably say would be high draft picks. He would he would be a high draft pick this year, as a freshman if he wasn't nineteen or eighteen, however old he is. Um, you got him. You got Pickens getting back into the mode. Pickens showed some of the, the ability to track the ball and and um, make big catches in the, in the last game. So they're working him back in. Uh, and you, of course, you got Lad McConkey that um, showed that he, what he could do. He could get behind a secondary, even a secondary like Bama. You know, um, so you 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 got you got weapons outside. You can't forsake those uh, just for the sake of uh, you know. Getting the ball out of Stetson's hand, he's throwing it all year, and um, I, I think he can throw it again. He just has to learn that when it's not there, uh, it's not there, or do it, have a better job seeing those, those those disguise coverages. You know, Saban is good at that, man. That's that's his wheelhouse. Those coverages in the back end. So you're gonna have to be on your best.
0: You look at the challenge of uh, of, of Michigan as an offensive lineman when you know the other team's strength. As those guys on the defensive front, what's the uh, what's the thought process getting ready for the, for a game like that?
2: Uh you just have to really stick to your fundamentals. That's the thing about offensive line. Uh, we we do the same thing. I'm a former offensive lineman. Um, we do the same thing over and over and over. The key is to do it the right way, over and over and over, and that gives you the best chance to win. Um, I, I I think they did. One of the best players in the country is Will Anderson, and um, I didn't I didn't hear his name a lot last last uh, uh, Saturday until maybe the end of the game when it was already over. Um, so I think those guys did a decent job with him. It wasn't always pretty, but they they held him in check for most of the game, and that's that's a testament to the Georgia O-line. Hopefully, they can do the same thing with Hutchinson. Um, he, he's a beast off that edge, so they're gonna have. They're, they're going to have their hands full, but they also get a chance to 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 use those running backs you talked about earlier and uh, run the ball, too, to try to neutralize some of that.
1: George, to Talk talk about the, uh, the job Kirby Smart has done. I mean, if you think about you know, replacing a guy like Mark Ray who had tremendous success at Georgia, you look at what he's got in Georgia you know, for, since he's gotten there, national championship, SEC championship, back in the SEC championship. Just assess Kirby and his job since he's been there.
2: Um, I like what Kirby has done. He um um I was a fan of Rick. Um I played for him my last 2 years. Um he helped give me the only only championship which is the SEC championship that I have on any level of any kind. So I'm I'm grateful for him. And uh Kirby, if, if we if we replaced Rick, if we if it had to happen, Kirby was the only guy that I wanted to come in. I, I played with Kirby for a year at Georgia and um he came back and was a GA some. And so I was glad to see him back there, and it's, it's something about having a guy leading your program that played in the program. I'm sure that's how Mar- Miami feels about Cristobal and whatnot being being having been there before. And um, I think the thing with Kirby, he recruits like none other. Like they're getting guys that, that Georgia is loaded. You know, they should they should win it all. You know what I mean? It takes a lot of everything to go right to win it all. No matter how good you are. Um, uh, everything has to go right. It takes a little bit of luck, but the cupboard is full, and it's busting at the seams. That's the one thing that you have to love about Kirby, especially the way he's recruited uh, the trenches. You know, that's the one thing that I don't think uh, Mark Rick did well. Um, He could get top ten picks at the skill positions, but we kind of fell behind uh, in the trenches, and that's where you have to win it up front in the SEC, and Kirby has been doing that, and he also been winning games, too.
0: Absolutely. George Foster joining us here on uh, 3 and Out, and, and George, you mentioned that Kirby being a, a guy that played at the University of Georgia, and speak to that dynamic, because it, it certainly can go one of two ways, where it's, hey, I played here, I love it, and I really want it to succeed, or all that can still be true, and you don't win enough games, and then you kind of get that sour taste. But what makes Kirby so special with, hey, I'm at my uh, I'm all mater. I know the expectations are high, and he's actually meeting those expectations.
2: Yeah, he, like I said, he's doing a great job. He's been to, uh, I think, three SEC championships. He's won one of them. Uh, he's been to the national championship. Um, he has a chance to go to another one. I've uh, been to the playoffs twice. Um, you, you can't ask for a much better start to a, a head coaching career like um, I, I thought, you know, with Coach Rick, you know, he was he was pretty much averaging about ten wins a year, and I didn't think it could get any better. Um, well, it's gotten better with uh, Kirby, and and I don't know where do you go from there. He's gonna always recruit great, um, and then the thing with college football that I've I've come to realize, and, and it's it's not so much of it's it's not it's not really a duh moment, but it's really it's really based on players. College football is heavily based on players. The the teams with the best players are going to win the most games almost 99% of the time. It's just cuz it's just it's the haves and the have-nots. You know what I mean? And so jo- the Georgia, the you know, Alabama, teams like that they are the haves. And so when, when, when Kirby, if Kirby keeps Georgia as part of the haves, he's going to win a lot of games. And so I can't see him going anywhere anytime soon. There's no really better place to be. He has an awesome, awesome job right there. And the talent is right there with him.
1: George, you play with guys like Quincy Carter and DJ Shockley and David Green. And you see like Matthew Stafford. I mean, you've seen guys that come through Georgia. You know, have great quarterback play. Stetson Bennett, I know we talked about him earlier yeah, if you look at him, he don't look the part. But at the end of the day, you—he's you, a Georgia kid, and he understands. Do you think that Stetson Bennett is good enough to get you guys back to the promised land? And why won't they just look past his height and weight and look at the production he's giving you, you know, on the field thus far?
2: Well, I think I think in that in that case, you're probably talking about outsiders. Um, obviously, um, the head guy says that you know Stetson is good enough, um, and I think with the players that he has around him, I think he's definitely good enough to um, he's good enough to win it. Um uh, Bama you just take Bama for instance, they're just now getting those guys that that are physically that are talented, that are, you know, top round quarterbacks and whatnot. They didn't used to have that but they were still winning. You know what I mean? So I think I think Stets can do it. Stetson just can't make those mistakes. And you get the rare chance to, if you handle business, and if they, and, and also, if hand, handles business, not to discount Cincinnati, they're there for a reason. Um, if both teams handle business, they get a chance to rematch, and like you can't, you can't beat that. And so we'll see if he can indeed get the job done. So you know, and it's up to everyone else. There's a lot of, there was a lot of letdowns in that game that didn't have anything to do with Stetson Bennett. Not, not even the least to do a Seessa Bennett. You know they could have done a lot better and uh, in, in, in a bunch of points in that game. Uh, a bunch of a di- bunch of different units on that team to help win that game.
0: George Foster, our guest here on three Now. George, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much.
2: Thank you all for having me, man. I enjoyed
0: it. Yeah, I appreciate it. George Foster joining us here on 3 and Out. And again, Georgia and Michigan coming up in Miami uh, there to start the playoff. We've got much more to come here on 3 and Out. We come back, we'll chat with Willie McClendon, uh, former Georgia running back, SEC player of the year, 1978. His son, now the interim head coach at uh, Oregon. Now that Mario Cristobal is in Miami, he'll join us next here on 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, as we get ready for bowl season. Of course, the college football playoff, still three weeks uh, away on New Year's Eve when we get those uh, two semifinal games. But uh, Georgia and Michigan going to play in the Orange Bowl in that uh, first round, the semifinals of the college football playoff. And joining us here, former All-American running back and 1978 SEC player of the year, Willie McClendon joins us here on 3 and Out. Willie, welcome to the show. How are you?
3: I'm doing well, guys, and thanks for having me on the show again.
0: Hey, we appreciate you coming on. And, us. from your standpoint, talk about what happened in the SEC championship game. I know there could have been multiple things, but uh, what happened in the SEC championship game that maybe we didn't see happen all season long with this Georgia team uh, once they went up against Alabama?
3: I think the biggest thing that happened was Alabama uh, hearing all the flack about how great the Georgia defense was and how their offensive line could not compete. So once you uh, make a team and individuals like they have at the University of Alabama, you, you really don't need to give those guys that underdog feeling. And so they, they took that under, underdog mantra, put it on their shoulders, and it, and it showed up Saturday.
1: And Willie, even talk about a guy like like Nick Sabre who uses every single thing he can to motivate his team. Obviously, the whole you know the whole rat poison thing it it was good and all this that in the in the post game press conference. But talk a little bit more about that. A guy Nick Sabre, who says, "Look, man, I just need little bitty things to kind of motivate my team because at the end of the day, while Georgia was the number one team in the country, they still had to climb that hill that known as Alabama." That's
3: correct, and. uh, uh... Uh, you're so correct with that analysis. And right, uh, once you have a team that is the history uh, with its coaches, the players, you make those guys feel like underdogs, and wow, hang on. So we did, and that's what happened Saturday.
0: And, Willie, obviously, Georgia's got to put that behind them and uh, get ready for the uh, the college football playoffs. Obviously, uh, that's a second chance to go back and still attain the goals that are out there. How do you see this matchup against Michigan, another team that is going to be physical at the line of scrimmage? They want to run the football uh, and, and really get after the quarterback with that defense. Uh, how do you take kind of some of the disappointment of what happened last Saturday, shove that aside, and get you ready for Michigan?
3: Well, hopefully they have gotten over that defeat in the first 24 hours and realized the challenge that they have in front of them with this University of Michigan football team. Uh, They are very physical. Uh, They play football uh, the way a lot of coaches would like to play it. Good, aggressive defense. Hard-nosed, beat-you-up offensive line. And uh, uh, just good football team. So Hopefully, once again, that they've gotten over that beatdown within the first twenty-four hours and get focused on the task at hand.
1: And Willie, how much different is how much different is it when you talk about a team like Michigan, who I think has only played Georgia two times in the existence of Michigan and Georgia? But you're talking about a team that mirrors kind of how Georgia used to play offense. They want to run the football. They want to play stifling defense, but sometimes it's kind of good to get back to that. Just throw away all the game plans. It's going to be one-on-one. Who can establish a line of scrimmage? Who can go out there you know, and take the other man's will from them?
3: That's where it starts at first, and then the coaches make the adjustment as the game goes on. If you can't run the ball, then you make sure that your your passing attack is can get up to standard. You make sure that Players understand where they are in the situation, and you make those game time adjustments. So, it's going to be a very, very uh, good game. Uh,
0: Willie McClinton, our guest here on Three and Out, as uh, again Georgia headed to the college football playoff, and uh, you look at the uh, the Georgia running game, Willie, and uh, obviously things change as the game goes along. But where do you feel that Georgia run game uh, is? Here late in the season, obviously against a team like Alabama, where is it going to need to be uh, against a team like Michigan?
3: I think the run game is really solid; it has been all year long. Uh, what so What was so different about the Alabama game, the SEC championship, is that Georgia was playing catch up for the first time, so they didn't handle it well. Defense didn't handle it well. Missed assignments for a lot, of, a lot of the long touchdown passes, the wide open receivers running throughout defensive backfield. So it would be a, once again, would be a great film to learn on. And they really need to get their minds right with the, the challenge that faced them. So I expect the dogs to do so.
1: Willie, it's obviously stored, uh, you know, you and your son and and the McClendon, you know, uh, your nephew Warren, obviously he's doing great things right now at uh, the University of Florida on the offensive line. But something else to add to the McClendon legacy, your son, Brian, the interim head coach right now for them Oregon Ducks who's getting ready for a big-time bowl game.
3: Yes, and Brian is very excited about that challenge. Uh, When the head coach had the opportunity to move on to the University of Miami, the athletic director, I called Brian immediately and presented this opportunity for him. And so uh, Brian, being the person that he is, accepted that challenge. So I'm looking for for him to do what he's always done in this situation, is to lead men and continue to be a a very positive uh, person that he is.
0: And will he speak to that? Obviously, uh, as as a player, everybody said, "Hey, I want to make it to the next level and to uh, uh, and go to the NFL and the pros." But uh, your son's been around this coaching game a little while. I mean, how difficult is it to to rise the ranks and get that head coaching shot, even as a uh, at this point an in interim basis? But obviously, uh, to get that shot at a, a big
3: time program like Oregon. Well, I tell you, I think Brian was so fortunate to to be neutered, neutered uh, by Mark Rick a guy that has a very uh, deep respect uh, for his game, for the game of football, and for his players. So from that aspect, Mark Rick, his influence on Brian, uh, the type of person that he is, and uh, really did a wonderful job of uh, uh, seeing the possibilities in Brian and offering him an opportunity to get in coaching immediately after his senior year. So uh, Mark Rick has always been a favorite of the McClendon families, and uh, and I really love the relationship that he and Brian developed as time went on. And I think Brian uh, adopted a lot of those positive things that he learned under Mark Rick, and this is where he is now.
1: And Willie, obviously, uh, you know, you talk about your son and how he came up through the ranks and just always, you know, making about young men. You look at a team like Notre Dame that did something unprecedented in, in hiring, you know, Marcus Freeman, you know, you know, taking a uh, coming right behind Brian Kelly. If your son does become, uh, you know, the the uh, the head coach, take the interim off, becomes the head coach of them Oregon Ducks. You got you listen, you you, you got you got your you got your Oregon Duck green ready to hit the plane to get to Eugene. <laughs> Absolutely.
4: I had a
3: chance to get out there and visit with them for the UCLA game, which was actually in, in Los Angeles that particular weekend I was out there. But uh, absolutely, go green. Go Ducks. <laughs> All in. All in. <laughs> Willie McClendon,
0: our guest here on 3 and Out. Willie, really appreciate the time. Thanks so much.
3: Hey, thank you guys once again. And uh, go 3 and Out. Hey,
0: hey! We appreciate it, uh, Willie McClendon joining us here on Three and Out. And again, Georgia in the in the, the semifinals. His son now the head, uh, the interim head coach at the uh, the University of Oregon. So, uh, as you said, the um, things going well there uh, in the McClendon household. With uh, you know, great great player is uh, was was Willie, son, the interim head coach of Oregon. Nephew uh, played on that offensive line at Georgia. So doing a great job. So uh, a lot of a lot of good stuff happening there.
1: Kevin, yeah, that's the royal family. Every yeah. every every school has a royal family, right? I mean, when you when you think about when you think about old Miss it's the mannings, you know, you got, you know, you got Eli and Archie. Uh when you when you when you think about it, when you think about, you know, a team, a team like uh like down there in Florida where I was, you got the Jackson family, Willie Jackson Jr. and senior, Terry Jackson. And the thing is, Willie Jackson Sr. was the first African American, obviously, to uh Get a scholarship at Florida. His son became an All-American at receiver. His youngest son won a national championship. His daughter, well, his stepdaughter, played uh, basketball. So when you think about the McClennans, listen, mm-hmm. Willie, what what uh, what uh, SEC offensive player of the year. Son played receiver. I think his brother went to Georgia. His nephew get a chance to possibly win a national championship. And now, hey man, them Oregon Ducks, man. So hey, you know, if you're, it, it is good to be a McClendon. I feel bad for the grandchildren. That is a lot. <laughs> That is a lot to fulfill, but, hey, man, shout-out to the McClendons. Hey, the, that is royalty outside of the, the Edwards. No, I don't <laughs> want to take away from Terrence and his brother Robert, but I think we talk about the McClendons, a great family with a great rich tradition in sports.
0: We've got more to come here on 3 and Out. Love to hear from you. Hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. We're also uh, streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com, and on Facebook, Twitter, and you. Good to have you back here, 3 and Out, on this Tuesday. I'm Kevin Thomas. He is Ben Troop. We'll have take three right around the corner. David Waters of Gators Breakdown will join us as tis the season for uh, the coaching carousel. And uh, Ben, we've seen a bunch of coaches really shore up their coaching staffs here in the last day or two. Georgia Southern, Georgia Tech, Florida, pretty much anybody that's named a head coach already has uh, now rolled in with at least two or three assistants. Why? Because they're, I mean, it's kind of funny the way social media has now been. You see uh, Billy Napier, uh, Brent Pry, uh, a lot of these guys who have uh, come in and brought in new coaches, new assistants, they haven't even been to... I don't I don't even know if some of them have been to their home base yet. It is hey, congratulations, you're a part of the team. Oh, now yeah. we need Same you to, yeah, there's, Now there's, we there's, need there. you to get up there and recruit.
1: Yeah, them. They, yeah, they fed they fed they them some some uh, some gear to whatever hotel room they was going to be at. But that's the name of the game, Kevin. Like people be saying, "Man, why do I see all these coaches hugging all these, you know, hugging all these uh, future student-athletes? Have they even been home?" Nope. Yeah. They, they know what they hopefully know what their wives look like and and listen, hopefully the spouses are out there uh, you know, yeah. looking for house, but Kevin, the last listen, Dan Mullen will, is is a dinosaur. Not as a coach, but what he said about recruiting. No, the lifeblood of a college of a college football team is recruiting. And Kevin, look, I've seen the inside of more households in the last two weeks than I've seen in a lifetime because that's <laughs> that's what it's about hugging guys, saying great home visit, great. But that's the name of the game. And if you want, if you're looking at the best team in the country, they all have one thing in common. They all are probably top ten, top fifteen in recruiting, and they're trying to keep those keep those guys coming yeah. in, Kevin. But uh, hey, man, recruiting is the name of the game.
0: I think the uh, the longest amount of time Billy Napier actually spent in Gainesville was at the press conference.
1: It uh, <laughs> would be, would they said He was researching players on the plane, getting ready to be introduced, and then you know, obviously, he got to go through the you know taking the picture of the helmets. You know, kind of like treated like a recruit. Yeah. And uh, listen, they say he finally told people, listen, man, I'm going to take some pictures, pick one of them. I got to hit the ground running because I got to keep the guys that we already had, and I got to try to go out there and get some guys. Because the one thing people know is Lincoln Riley go to USC. What about the Oklahoma guys? Somebody going to try to snatch him. Hey, man, Brian Kelly, he's in LSU. Somebody going to try to snatch him. Hey man, this is a free fall right now, Kevin. Man, He said, listen, if he it, they, the one the word, the, the word in the recruiting is undecided. I yeah. want him. Got to try to go get
0: him. And Then you got to get your help, which means <laughs> get your uh, get your assistant coaches yes. in there. And it was funny. I was kind of reading around. And it's like you know. Uh, you saw, you've seen uh, Jeff Collins hire a couple of assistant coaches, and I don't know that the offense. It's funny, the offensive coordinator uh, they they just hired from Tulane. I don't know if he actually flew to Atlanta. He was out recruiting uh, the day after the announcement. I, Brent Pry at Virginia Tech. Uh, I noticed a lot of Virginia Tech fans were giving him some grief on uh, social media. Is like does dude have another shirt? And it was like, he got hired, he hit the road, and they're like, we'll make sure he gets another shirt uh, while he's out there doing the recruitment. It's like, uh, you get these coaches hired, it's like they don't spend any time uh, now without early signing period. They'll spend more time on campus after that early signing period when you get the dead period than they have since they've been announced the uh, the head coach.
1: No, Kevin, that's it, right? Like, the people go, it's a rat race. Let, let, let's just call it what it is. When you got To be a college football coach, it doesn't matter. Big school, small school, got to recruit. I don't care who you are, and where you are. Now, having access to certain recruits is going to decide that that's when it comes down to those budgets, Kevin. But they knew it. Like, the one thing a coach knows is this. If I'm not coaching, I'm recruiting. Period. If I'm not in the office, I'm recruiting. So, that's that's the name of the game. Listen, Listen, Sean Quinn. Congratulations on being, you know, on the staff of Virginia Tech. He got off the plane with the Virginia Tech. The next, He's in somebody's household <laughs> hugging somebody, saying, hey. So, And and, and the one, that's one thing to say, too, Kevin, when you talk about where coaches come from. They got that area. Now they're going to be able to get the area that they're adopting geographically. Hey, man, that's why I couldn't do the coaching thing, man. At the end, I saw Coach Rupp, who was the D-line coach at Florida, in the household with a, Florida, with a Florida shirt on. He got fired. He was there the next week with a Tennessee shirt on with the same kid, Hey man, listen. Only thing <laughs> that changes is the colors. The colors in the team. I mean, you know, you, you are you are the sales pitch is the same. Come to this, come to so and so school. We got the best of this, the best of that. If you want to win championships, hey, we'll figure out the laundry later <laughs> when it's all when it's all said and done. But yeah, the
0: recruiting is just insane, and you've got. Uh, what, a week and a half more to go of it yeah. until you get to that early signing period. It doesn't really take, but you do have the, the dead period for the holidays. They, they give everybody the, the break at, uh, at Christmas, but it is a mad dash. And if people talk about this, I mean, yeah, you're recruiting for early signing period, but you're also talking to kids who haven't even played their junior season yet of high school football or their senior season yet. Uh, so you're already looking down the road uh, for next year's class as well. It's absolutely crazy and fascinating to watch this stuff work in the uh, and the recruiting of uh, of players to come to the college level. And certainly, uh, even Kirby Smart, day after the SEC championship Time game, had a, had, a, had a tough loss to Alabama. Look at me. I'm in the living room trying to get, you know, the, the day after you're all smiles when you're with that guy, uh, even though you had a, t- a tough loss uh, the night before. We got more to come. We'll take three on the flip side. When we come back, David Waters will join us. Gators Breakdown next hour as well. It is three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. We will have David Waters of Gators Breakdown join us uh, coming up in about twenty minutes here on Three and Out. We'll also look at Clay Helton finalizing some of his offensive staff there in Statesboro. So looking forward to uh, to that and uh, what changes we could see there uh, offensively for Georgia Southern. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. But it is four o'clock. Let's take three here on Three and Out. All right, Ben, take one. The Patriots beat the Bills Monday night last night by throwing just three passes. Could teams be successful with more run-heavy offenses in the future? Or was last night a one-game exception due to the fact that the weather was awful? Yeah, Bill Belichick, uh, and again, I know a lot of folks were saying, ah, oh, after last year, oh, Bill Belichick, no Tom Brady. Ah, we're seeing what happened. And again, I think Bill Belichick just sat back and said, okay, okay. Might be some personnel issues we got to take care of, but if we do, here you go, and that's what you're seeing. Yeah, I think only throwing running it three times is certainly an outlier, Ben, especially in the, uh, the new age of the NFL or just football in general where I'm not paying my quarterback $100 million to hand the ball off 47 times right i'm not doing it i brought you in and again you would say well what if you win i I agree but that's like spending a 100 grand buying yourself a nice new lambo and saying hey uh you can't take that thing over 50 miles an hour well why not well because you really get the best gas mileage i have a lambo You want to open that thing up, right? Like, if you own a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or something, you never get a speeding ticket? I mean, why have a Lambo or a Ferrari, right? You know what I'm saying? It's like, if I'm paying my quarterback $100 million, we are throwing the football. We are throwing the football a lot. Uh, So, yeah, I I think that was an exception. I think there's not a lot of coaches. I think Bill Belichick is kind of uh, like uh, Nick Saban in that way in that how many coaches would say, all right, fellas, it's nasty out. It's cold. Game plan we've come up with is we want to run the ball and we're going to run right at him and we're going to play defense and we're going to win. How many coaches would have that inside of them to do that? Much like the old saying, how many coaches are pulling their quarterback in a national championship or a Super Bowl and say, I'm going to go with the backup? Not many. Not many would do that. So, uh, I think that's just part of it, it's just Bill Belichick coming up with a way that nobody thought of to beat you. But you can't go to that game plan 16 weeks in a row uh, in order to win, uh, win football games. Not in today's day and age of, uh, of football. Moving along, take two. Speaking of running the football, why won't the Jags give the football to James Robinson? Probably the same reason we just talked about, but he had 1,000 yards plus as a rookie. And since then, he has just one game where he's carried the ball more than 12 times in his last five games he has not gotten it more than 12 times what's up with that And they should have Travis Etienne back uh, from his uh, his toward ACL. Look, I, I think it's also part of the same reason. Look, I'm not going to give you the ball 12 times. One, because of that. Two, because I'm trying to see what my first-round draft pick can do. Uh, you, you know, if I'm Urban Meyer, you, your your job security is tied to Trevor Lawrence. Okay. Well, if it's tied to Trevor Lawrence, I'm going to let him do his thing. right? And I think that's some of it, uh, like we just talked about. You can't do what the Patriots did last night. Why? Because Josh Allen is on the other side and people say, you just imagine if Buffalo just did what the Patriots did. We have Josh Allen. And you hand the ball off 40 plus times. I know it's cold. I know it's windy, but my goodness, he's our guy. Put the ball in his hands. People say this all the time. Put the ball in the hands. Let your quarterback be plays. I think that's what Jacksonville's doing. We're gonna let Trevor Lawrence make plays for us and James Robinson, we just need you to make enough plays. Uh, and we'll, we'll we'll continue to put it into quarterbacks' hands. So I think that's more what it is than anything else. Uh, you just don't see teams going, our, our goal here is, I mean, even Kansas City, they got Pat Mahomes. They're like, right, we're, if we run it more than 20 times between all of our backs, what are we doing? And I think that's just the way football is played. I mean, Aaron Rodgers went to the NFC Championship game and had no running back. He had a guy with an 88 on his back playing running back. And yeah, and, and, and just – threw the ball around I, I think that is the the way football even dak dak is considered like a running quarterback and people say why don't you give the ball to zeke because zach's making a because back zach's, zach's making a hundred million dollars and he's going to sling that thing <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, moving along, take three. Matt Ryan has been hit 92 times, Ben, 92 times, the most in the league. If the Falcons just improved their offensive line, could he still
1: be the team's quarterback for two or three-plus more years? When people, when people start talking about Kevin, like, what, what is the thing with bad teams? Bad offensive line play. There's bad offensive line play, and then there's there, there's Atlanta offensive line play. We're not talking about a spring chicken here, right? We're not talking about a guy that has a Tom Brady, you know, Benjamin Button serum at home. No. Matty Ice, is that, he's in the twilight of his career, and he's gotten hit that many times. So for me, Kevin, he's not going to make it because father time and, and, and you know, injuries and, and and just, like, getting hit, that's what makes you grow older. All I'm going to tell people is this. Did y'all see when Drew Brees played for the of Saints? He was losing his hair y'all saw that and you see him now on tv boy he got a full head up there you know why because he's not getting hit anymore so yes kevin 80 sometimes so what does that mean kevin that means it's setting up for him to have what well over 100 hits by the end of the season and think about this they're not even gonna make the playoffs so he's taking all that punishment for what so yeah kevin i feel bad for old manny ice man Cordell, he'll, he Cordell Patterson, he'll, he'll he'll get a contract extension. He better get one. But if you are Atlanta and you ask why, just look at how many times old Matty Ice is getting off the turf. A
0: lot. And He's done that throughout his uh, his career. But I I saw that put out there today where uh, Matt Ryan 92 times the least. The guy hit the least. Any guesses? Uh, listen. I mean, uh, a guy named Shmam Smrady. Yeah, Tom Brady. You want to say, man, how's that dude play? He's gonna be like getting, uh, you know, Social Security, but he still be playing the league. Well, yep. if you if you don't get hit and all you gotta do is throw that thing, well, that makes a big difference. And uh, Tom Brady, forty quarterback hits the entire season. Matt Ryan's at ninety-two, <laughs> and counting, and counting, and please. count. Yeah, and
1: he's still gotta go five more games. That that this difference in the team that's saying, hey, man, we got to protect our greatest asset because we're trying to get back to the promised land, compared to, hey, Matt, are you good? Yeah. I'm good. No, no, no. No, I'm not good. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to get hit. Nobody wants to get hit. Just imagine getting hit and I got and I'm and I'm and I got a 270-pound a DN barreling down on me, but Kyle Pitts just came open. He got a good catch, Kyle. And they put the camera on Matty Ice. He's getting off the ground again. And what is the offensive line doing? Stop with them lookout blocks, man. That's Matty Eyes, <laughs> man, may God bless you, man. You have given Atlanta everything what? you possibly can. I'm good. I've never heard <laughs> you say this before, so I'm gonna assume that when you say lookout, block, is that is that I don't touch anybody, you go look out! I was okay, I'm was, I was sure. Certain things are self-explanatory. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like it's like think about this. Every time somebody yells look out, the person who's yelling lookout can see. Who's about to get hit? Usually, it's. Hey, I man, look out. But just imagine when it's blue forty-two hundred. Oh, you got, look how Maddie! But he's looking down the field, <laughs> fumble, sack, fumble. And the thing is, you got to go to the sideline and be like, "Listen, man, ain't no my bads, man. You got to block it, my bad, Maddie Ice." I mean, uh, listen, they need to show how Maddie Ice just makes money through Saturday. I'm pretty sure. Listen, act, how act many my bads order. do you get a game? Uh,
4: <laughs> now I'm serious. Like if
0: we, when you're uh, the, when you're
1: in the pros, yeah. when you're in the pros
0: and yeah. a sport like football, like I get it in. The NBA, if you're like, hey, I took the three instead of passing, my yeah. bad. But if you're in the NFL, it's like, hey, uh, Matty Ice, I, I kind of whiffed on that block, my bad.
1: Like, uh, how many of those can you well, get this, before this, this you're like, problem, I don't problem. want to hear my bad? That's the problem, though. This is the problem, Kevin. If the offense line, it might be one, like, because it's five. you all I'm not giving all five of y'all on my bads. <laughs> so it might be one. But people ask, why is holding a good thing sometimes? Because if I got to hold you to keep you from hitting, I can – Listen, I can live with it. People go, "That's a hole, yeah." But Matt, I said, man, you're gonna appreciate me when you go look at the tape why he was going to melee you. You were going to be baptized in the name of Jesus." <laughs> so for me, <laughs> I, I think some of this stuff is just warranted, Kevin. But no, offensive of line gets one, and if you a tight end like me, well, <laughs> you might hit zero because that's because that guy is coming. They coming with bad intentions, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Do you ever go back to the uh, thing? That, uh... Say no, yeah. no, that, that's, that's when watching the tape, right? That We called it the go look Go Steve down. McNair we, go,
0: Steve, my bad. No, no, this is when, <laughs> we, when, we, when, we
1: when we used to do walkthroughs and we, we do a blitz pickup and just say I pick up the wrong guy, uh, the, the old coordinator go, oh, oh, backup's in now. Why? Because the cause the starter is out. He just got knocked out. So give, give, him, give him a backup again. They're going to say, are you going to play quarterback? So, listen, man, you got to take – sometimes it's not about the box score, people. It's keeping the quarterback clean. You, want, you don't want this. If I'm not going to be the reason we win, I refuse to be the reason we lose. Mark Bolger was supposed to be the starting quarterback for the greatest show on turf. But Marshall Falk missed the block. He tore his ACL. Then they went on to Kurt Warner. So, Marshall Falk better be looking. A Hall of Famer was behind Mark Bolger <laughs> because it could have gotten much <laughs> ugly for them St. Louis Rams back yeah, in the day. That's take three. We do it each and every day. This time we'll come back.
0: I uh, will switch gears. We're talking with... A little Gators football with David Waters of Gators Breakdown. when We return and Billy Napier's first couple of days on the job. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Back here on 3 and Out of the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are with us. College coaching carousel has been absolutely wild and crazy. And Billy Napier in there at the University of Florida. He certainly hit the ground uh, running and joining us here from Gators Breakdown. David Waters joins us here on 3 and Out. David, welcome to the show. How are you?
4: I'm good, guys. Thanks for
0: having me. Appreciate you coming on and uh, joining us, man. Uh, Billy Napier, obviously, has come in, hit the ground running, and a lot of talk about up in the budget. How important was that to to Billy Napier to come in and say, listen, uh, if, if we're going to compete uh, with the Georgias and the Alabamas and the SEC, obviously, we got to recruit uh, better. we got to spend a little more money and time in the recruiting area, but we also got to dole out a little bit more money for the uh, the staff, for the analysts, et cetera. How how important of a uh, get was that for, for Billy Napier, that commitment to, to more funds, more resources in recruiting and coaching?
4: Yeah, I mean, we see it playing out on the field. The, the last few years in the SEC, we saw it Saturday night when Alabama and Georgia are playing in the SEC championship. And it makes, you know, those are the two teams that are consistently doing it. You now Florida did hold that place last year, but recent history shows us it's Alabama and Georgia, and no mistake about it, they spend a whole lot of money. They spend a whole lot of money on staff. They spend a whole lot of money in recruiting budget. And it, it pays off for those two schools. So that's why they're in Atlanta more times often than not recently. So Florida needed to do the same thing. Everybody needed to be on the same page. Everybody needed to be uh, looking at what it needs to take or what it takes to get to that level of an Alabama and, and a Georgia system. And a lot of it starts with that asking the, the, the budget that you get to – for, for assistant coaches and Florida's going to give him seven and a half million dollars. And that's up there, right up there with Alabama and Georgia in the last couple of years. I think Bama was uh, 7.8 last year. Georgia was 7.2 uh, in 2020. So it's in that range to go get you some good assistance, but also go go to army of assistants, go build an army of analysts, go build an army of recruiting staff that can go up there uh, and use that private jet that he's going really to have access to as well. And, and go out there and recruit for Florida. So, if, everybody needed to be on the same page. Everybody needed to kind of regroup, figure out what is needed for Florida to be up there at that top level uh, in, in college football, and it starts with just some of the, you know, behind-the-scenes demands that really needed to be made uh, for Florida to go, you know, to, to maybe buck themselves back up into that conversation at the top of the SEC.
1: David, a holdover from the previous staff. A lot of times, people be thinking it has to be a guy that's, you know, a, you know, offensive, defensive side of the ball. But Vernell Brown, former Florida, you know, a cornerback. Obviously, you know, had tremendous success as a player. Retaining him, you know, as far as like a player personnel guy. How big was that? Because you want to be able to have somebody that resonates with today's player that doesn't really have anything to do with the X and O's. How great of was that? With you know, a guy like Vernell Brown, gonna gonna still be around Old Gainesville.
4: Yeah, but uh, you spoke to him, man. It's a relationship that I think will make the transition a bit easier. Uh, And and as you said, there's not going to be any holders. Christian Robinson, the the linebacker coach, there's still maybe an outside chance he's retained. uh, But from what I'm hearing, he likely will not be. So there will be no staff members, on-field staff members, from Dan Mullen's staff and Vernon Brown behind the scenes. As you said, the relationship with the players, player personnel, player relationship – helping them with the NIL that's out there as well. Yeah, so he's a, a friendly face that will be there, as you said, Ben, from that area. Uh, played at Florida, knows the state very well, knows recruits that's out there that visit campus as well for Florida. So even recruits know him as well. Uh, so I think that speaks to some familiarity with the current players and the recruits that are out there that will be making their way to campus coming up for Florida this weekend. Uh, but you know, I think it was important for at least some familiar voice. Uh, while it may not be on-field, there might be more interaction with Rondell Brown off the field than any on-field coach anyway, so it makes this transition just a little bit easier for Porter.
0: David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us here on 3 and Out. And you look around the SEC, you got several new coaches in there uh, who have hit the ground running. And you know, essentially, Billy Napier gets, what, 10, 11 days uh, to try to yeah. get something done before early signing period for the new coaches, Billy Napier, Brian Kelly, how much can you get done in 10 days as, as far as going out and recruiting a guy to come join you and get him in in the early signing period?
4: Yeah, that's the big question now. And he's going to be patient with it. And you can even go back to his time at Louisiana, his first year there. It was a little different now. It was in 2018, it was his, the, his first season there. But it was also the first day or the first year, the first recruiting cycle of early signing day. And I think there was a lot of figuring out. Going on for him being the brand-new head coach and that new element of recruiting as well, he did not sign and on purpose now. He did not sign one early signee uh, back in his time at Louisiana in that first class. He took his time. He went and evaluated players, and he's doing the same thing with Florida. But Florida's already got some commits that are there that want to early enrollee, so there won't be the same situation where he won't sign any. But it does let you know he's going to preach patience. It does let you know that he's going to use patience in evaluating evaluating some of these commits that Florida has as well. And, look, today and yesterday went out, recruited, went out and, and hit the road, uh, visited two top 100 running backs in the state of Louisiana, where he just came from, uh, also a top 100 defensive lineman, Quincy Wiggins, uh, and then uh, also a defensive tackle commit, Chris McClellan, uh, out there in Oklahoma yesterday. So he recruited that area that he knows better. Uh, But also today, went and visited quarterback commit Nick Evers and then former linebacker commit Shamar James uh, in in the state of Alabama. So um, I do think, you know, if those guys are committed and they're willing to go ahead and and, and sign with Florida on early signing day, uh, he'll allow some of them, but he did say, yeah, he's going to be patient. There's some of these commits out there from Florida right now that still haven't heard from this current, this this new Gator staff. So you can tell uh, not everybody is going to be coming over whether you were committed to Florida or not.
1: Nick Savage, former, you know, strength and conditioning coach. I know a lot of people thinking that he was going to be retained, but Mark Hawk comes over from Louisiana with, uh, you know, uh, Coach Naples. Just talk about him and talk about how fast he got in. Because people be forgetting the guy who really knows the players better than the, than the trainers, better than the assistant coaches, will be the strength and conditioning coach. Talk about Mark Hawk. And obviously obviously that beer game, uh, uh, D Waters, is serious. <laughs>
4: <laughs> it is serious, man. I, mean, I guess that's a prerequisite for a lot of these strength coaches, right? You've got to have this big old beard and, uh, and, and that look. But, uh, yeah, Mark Hunt comes over from Louisiana uh, with Billy Napier. He brought two on-field assistants that are from Louisiana, but also his strength and conditioning coordinator uh, is going to be coming uh, with him as well. But he was, was part of that 2009 Alabama uh, staff as well, strength and conditioning there. You know, Nick Saban's first national championship team at Alabama. He comes from that. Uh, he made stops. Uh, at some other colleges as well, uh, University of Georgia in 2015. Uh, he, he, he was there, so that would have been, what, Bart Ricks last year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, he would have been a uh, strength and conditioning coach there at uh, Georgia. Also spent some time at Texas A&M as well. So, well-versed in the SEC at Alabama, uh, Georgia, and Texas A&M. But he's been with Naker all four years. And uh, I had a friend of mine, Josh, from the Raging Cajun uh, region review podcast on last week and he called this one he said Look, well, billy napier is going to want this guy to come with him there's a relationship there he trusts him do not be surprised that this is going to be one of his first hires made and it absolutely was and then you saw it on social media last week the current part of players love nick savage there was a little campaign to keep nick savage uh, but billy napier feels comfortable in bringing his own strength and conditioning coordinator in
0: david waters gators breakdown joining us now florida in a pre-christmas bowl david there against uh central florida what do you expect there? Because obviously it's just after the early signing period. Obviously Billy Napier is not uh, going to, uh, to 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 coach in that situation. But you have guys opting out, guys hit the transfer portal. What really can you expect uh, there from the the Gasparilla Bowl there from Florida uh, on December twenty third?
4: Yeah, you know, hope, hope another game where your state pride comes into play like it did against FSU uh, in, in as last game of the season and Florida ends up winning that game. Uh, but I think what we can look for is that we're hearing some whispers and some rumblings there that Anthony Richardson is trying to get that uh, injury cleaned up a little bit. So he's going to probably be out of the bowl game. Uh, with the meniscus uh, meniscus work being done, uh, Emory Jones will probably start the bowl game. So that probably kills some of the excitement from some of the Gator fans after what we saw uh, Anthony Richardson do uh, in making sure Florida wins that game versus FSU uh, last week. So look for uh, Emory Jones to start the game uh, and we'll see, you know, there hasn't been any word of holdouts by like somebody maybe like a Zach Carter or or Tyre Elam, uh, guys who have NFL uh, in, in their future, you know, no word if they're going to uh, skip this bowl game or not. So uh, until we get that, you know, I still think a lot of players that we know for Florida will be out there on that field. Uh, but, you know, UCS will probably be at ready for it as well. Um, they lost Dylan Gabriel, their quarterback, earlier in the year. Uh, and then I think um, – because yeah, Melson is really going to attack this game, his first year as UCF head coach, if he can end it, no matter what situation Florida's in now, uh, if he can end that first season, saying, "All right, we beat Florida," you know, we can end we can end our season on a good note even with the skeleton staff. We don't even know who Farn is going to have on the, the coaching staff out there, of course, or the leftovers from Dan Mullen's staff. So we'll kind of have to see uh, where Farn's head is at mentally, where Farn's coaching staff's head is at mentally, uh, to see how they attack this game. But you, have, you hope one last time to go out there, play for those seniors, play for that state pride since they're playing the in state team.
1: I mean, uh, what what is the move? What is the move right now around, uh, you know, Gainesville, uh, Dave? You know, Jill, like I know. I mean, it's hot and cold all the time. We we live and die with each Saturday, but going to make a bowl game as as Kevin mentioned against UCF. Billy Napier, the new head coach. I mean, you guys, it seems to be a lot of positive momentum going around with a guy in Billy Napier who seems to roll to the beat of his own drum, not to seem too high and too low. And I saw him say something like, the players are not going to like me all the time, but I'm going I'm to make sure these guys understand, you know, what, it, what the standard is and getting back, to the, getting back to that winning standard.
4: Yeah, Ben, that, that team meeting the other day wasn't necessarily a kumbaya moment. You know, I think it was going to be a wake-up call for a lot of those guys, especially after what they faced this past season. Uh, and you know it wasn't easy um and there was not a lot of countab- not a lot of accountability on, on the team really uh, when things were going bad you still had some of the same players out there no matter the mistakes that were made at the end of 2020 the mistakes that were made in 2021 so i think Billy Napier's approach needs to be that hard tough love approach and as he said, he's got to earn their respect, and, uh, he, and that reciprocates. It goes the other way as well. Uh, so a lot of respect needs to be gained from both sides. We're far in from that practice field in just a couple months of spring practice. But a lot of the evaluation going on, Bill, Ben. But, you know, as you said, a lot of excitement, mainly for the new coaching staff. Not necessarily about the bowl game. Everybody's kind of looking forward now. Yeah, you, you got this bowl game. You'll play it. You cheer for your Gators. But everybody's looking ahead uh, to next season or you know, spring practice, getting that part of it started and looking ahead to next season and what building Nathalie could also do in the recruiting trail in between those times.
0: David Waters, Gators Breakdown, joining us. David, finally, before we let you go, away from uh, Florida football man, give us your thoughts on those final four uh, in the college football playoff. A lot of folks saying, look, this was an easy final four to call uh, in terms of the committee, but how do you think uh, this thing's going to play out? Are we just a lot of people think guaranteed for a rematch? Do you see it going that way?
4: Uh, I, I, I am picking a rematch, but I am I, I'm ready to see what Georgia does mentally after Saturday night. So much riding on that game. Everybody thought it was the chance for Georgia uh, to finally beat Alabama, get over that hurdle, and a lot of the, the just kind of played out the the way it has been lately. So where is Georgia at mentally? There's of course going to be a lot of talk about the defense and and not showing up in that game, and and the quarterback between Bennett and JT Daniels as well. So a lot of just a, all the questions that we didn't hear about Georgia or we're now hearing after the SEC championship game. So where are they at mentally? I think uh, if they go out there and play their game, they can still beat Michigan. Uh, the other side of it, Alabama, to me, should handle Cincinnati if they play anything like they did this past Saturday, the SEC championship game. But if Bama doesn't put their best performance together, and Cincinnati did get better as the season went on, uh, if Bama played like they did versus Auburn, Cincinnati plays one of their best games, maybe slim chance of an upset there. But I, in the end, do think it will be an Alabama Georgia national championship game and until Georgia beats Alabama I'll pick Alabama to hoist that trophy one more time
0: and everybody in the SEC just shakes their head if that happens and says good grief but David Waters our guest here Gators Breakdown joining us appreciate the time David thanks much thanks guys David Waters joining us here on three and out so much more to uh, to get to here on the program bowl games coming up a week from Friday that's right around the corner uh, as well uh, in college football, when we come back, we' are looking at Georgia Southern, we talked about Billy Napier putting his staff together, Clay Helton doing that at Georgia Southern. Uh, here's he's had some time to work towards that. We'll get to that next. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio network. making us a part of your day and been so much about the yeah, the coaching around college football, but this is the the key moments, right uh, of the the college football season and you look at Clay Helton. Going out and getting those assistants, guys who can go out there, hit that recruiting uh, trail, and, of course, the big hire, Western Kentucky's Brian Ellis in as the offensive coordinator. We talked about that. Western Kentucky's leading receiver would have broken career records almost in yards, but in passing, in receptions, would have broken career records at Georgia Southern in one season with the just with the season he had this last year. So I think that gives you an idea of what Clay Hilton's looking at. They're going to throw the football. Certainly they're going to run it, but it probably will not be anywhere close to the manner in which they have uh, have done it in the past what do you kind of get the sense that Georgia Southern offense might look like now with Clay Helton with Brian Ellis coming in it could be something we haven't really seen before with this Georgia Southern team i don't even know if you could say when they had Chris Hatcher running the air raid yeah. i think it might be just a
1: little different from that it might it might be i mean well, Kevin you know just like i know whenever you whatever you want to run the option or whatever you want to run a triple you got to have a certain type of player to do it and you got to be dedicated to do it like and the thing about that type of offense is, let's face it, you must expect to be ahead in every game. Cause if you're not, it gets you away from it. That's a, that that's something the option is something to where when it's working and it's clicking, you go back to, you know, I mean, early 90s, you know, uh with you know, what Tommy Fraser and those guys, they did the better they that's the best I've ever seen it done. But I think what Coach held is really doing is he said, I don't want to limit myself on recruiting, man. The, we to spread offenses now, whether you're in high school, college, pro, you want to run spread now. I don't think it's going to be the air raid, Kevin, but in anything throwing the football around in Georgia Southern going to be the air raid because you ain't seen that in a long time. So I think what Coach Heldon's understanding is I know what type of athletes are out there. I know what type of athletes I can't even recruit if we run in the same office we was running. I know how it opens up recruiting. And, Kevin, like you said, how much more dangerous is Georgia Southern when they're running similar offenses to those uh, teams in their conference. You look at Louisiana, even though Billy Neighbors moved on, they want to be more of a balanced team. You look at Appalachian State, they want to be more of a balanced team. You look at Coastal Carolina and Georgia State. Balance on offense makes it so much better. Now, Kevin, I don't, I'm not saying it's going to be a beautiful thing to watch in 2021 because you are adjusting to something new, so you're going to go through some some uh, some growing pains. But Kevin, how crazy is it going to be when we're looking at the Sun Belt standards as far as like offense, and we got a Sun Belt, we got a Georgia Southern quarterback up there as far as, like, you know, uh, passing stats. You know, B.J. loved the pass attempts and the pass attempts, you know, per per throw. But I just think that, Kevin, it's, it's really – I don't know, I don't want to call it the dark ages, but you don't want to have an offense that only two or three teams in college football is running because while you can't have success, what happens when you get down by 10, down by double digits? I think they're kind of going to more what what is what is better. I'd rather take a quarterback that's in a system that I'm already running to tell him, hey, man, listen, can you run that rock? because you're going to be running it a lot – Quarterback efficiency is going to be the name of the game, but I think Kevin, they want to get to more of a wide open offense, a more balanced offense. And so dare I say, if Georgia Southern is coming out there, because you know they're going to still get running backs, they're going to still run the football, but they don't—they don't want to be—they don't want to pass the game to be a liability. Because let's face it, the Georgia Southern last couple of years, people talking about how great, you know, you know, I, I mean, I, I, how great the quarterbacks have been in the past. Yeah. You know, for what well, they only throwing the ball two and three and four times a game. So I think that now. More, more. I think it's going to be more 60-40. Still going to lean more to the run, but you're going to add more 40, maybe maybe even 50-50 with the pass game. How much better is Clayton's offense going to be with Georgia Southern? And how much pressure does that put on the App States, the Louisianas, the Georgia States, and the Coastal Carolinas? Because if you can't compete with them, I don't care how good your offense is. You don't want to get run off the field. So I just think that Coach Heldon is saying, look, man, I'm going to go with what's worked for me. I've been to California. You know, I'm from, I'm, listen, I'm from Gainesville. I went to Auburn, I'm back I'm back in the Southeast, I want to be able to recruit any and everybody, and when having this type of offense, I think he has no limitations.
0: Yeah, I, and again, I think you put pressure offensively onto, and I, I think you look at what was Georgia Southern's downfall a little bit here with Chad Lunsford in in this last season. Defensively, they had some breakdowns, they had some guys get hurt, I know they were uh, had an all-conference corner yeah, yeah. Uh, that they got hurt early in the season, but I think their offense just could not score enough. And we'll see what Coach Helton kind of, uh, kind of does at the quarterback position. You got uh, Cam Ramsom. I know he's out there actively recruiting quarterbacks right now. And I think quarterbacks, as we're seeing uh, at Georgia and other places, uh, even Alabama. Uh, with as deep as they got, when you think you got a quarterback, go get another one. When you think you got, like, starting pitching, you think you got enough starting pitching, go get another pitcher. When you think you got enough quarterbacks, so Clay Helton out there obviously going to go out and recruit some quarterbacks, but I think this team offensively needs to be a dangerous team offensively uh, because at times you see it in the Sun Belt a lot in some conferences uh, like that, especially in the mid-major level, you're going to win games 45 to 42. Uh, the Even at that level, the days of winning 24-21 or uh, scoring 17 and thinking that's going to be enough, probably not going to get it done. And,
1: Kevin, too, it kind of – you know, you go back to the SEC championship game. People kept talking about how was it going to be with Georgia and Alabama, right? Well, Alabama knew – Alabama offense knew. Dude, you know how much better it makes a defense when your offense is clicking? It makes it so that you don't even know how good or bad your defense is because the other the opposing defense can't get off the field because our offense is scoring points. Georgia Southern is going to play good defense. That has never been something that that worries you. What what did worry you, Kevin, is what you just mentioned. If they getting three and out and yeah. an offense that doesn't push the ball down the field, that's that's mo that's momentum based. I mean, when you run a when you run, I mean, put, you know, there's a putting defense lineman on the ground, you know, staying ahead of the change, you know, third and one, third and twos. Every time Georgia Southern didn't didn't do two things. Whenever they didn't rush for two hundred yards, which good lord, think about that being the standard. I got to rush for two hundred, we are whatever and oh, but then if we third and six third and five and we got to and we got to drop back and throw it, those receivers, it's not that they can't separate. You asking me to block eighty percent of the time. And then when you need me to make a play, it's they're gonna give me one on one, but that don't mean that, that but it's 50 ball. So I think it makes it makes everybody better, Kevin. I do think that quarterback room is gonna be different because you're gonna be standing at a quarterback that was built for an, a, a different system. Yep. Hopefully that they hope hoping that their that their talent translate to the new system of people. For everybody thinking they're getting done wrong, if you are already at Georgia Southern, stay and compete and yeah. see what type of player you can become. Because I'm telling y'all. The last time we may hear from you is if you take your name and put it in that transfer portal, it is getting bigger by the second. Stick around and see what happens, man, because if you've already been on campus some, campus, some of y'all already talk about if you have a to college and college football, you are at an advantage of a guy who hasn't been there because the learning curve from high school and college is – Astronomical. I mean, sometimes guys just never, ever get it, even if have got the athletic, athletic ability. But Coach Helton, you knew he was coming in with a new regime, and did I say yep. they finna air that thing out in Statesboro?
0: Yeah, Arkansas State's uh, Ryan Appleins comes in as tight ends coach. Inside wide receivers coach, passing game coordinator, and also signed, uh, signed uh, hired uh, Michigan State's Ephraim Reed as the running backs coach. I believe he was an analyst there for Michigan State uh, this past season. So uh, he comes in to help out on the offensive side of the ball and so starting to put together that offense. You can tell what's important. Most of the hires we've been hearing about are on that offensive side. He kept Kevin Whitley to run uh, the, the DBs and, and coach on the defense side outside of that. We've been waiting to hear. It's all offense, 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 offense. We're going to get that shored up uh there at Georgia Southern. We got more to come here. It's three and out on this Tuesday. Hit us up on Twitter at PigSkin Radio. We're streaming live at ESPNcoastal.com. Bennett, not here with us, but he did put a note in today's rundown. Said, I want Ben to congratulate Florida State on something. It's it's women's soccer. They won the national championship.
1: I mean, look, shout out listen, shout out. Shout out to the to the uh, to the lady uh, Seminoles for winning uh, the uh, what college the college, I don't even know what you call it the college soccer. They they won the national championship. BJ does this on purpose. Anybody who knows this, we all have things that we enjoy. BJ is a lover of all things uh, Florida State. He will rub it in my face The Florida State just won another national championship, and then Kevin will hit him with the in what in, in soccer. Oh, okay. And I'd be like, BJ, who's the best soccer player? He'll go, oh, that's a young lady from Brazil. Who? Yeah, okay. Give me an international player. What, who's the second-best player? You don't know because you didn't watch, but shout-out to those ladies, Seminoles, for getting it done. BJ is quick to throw it up in your face. But at the end of the day, we know, BJ knows, Florida State men's basketball is not <laughs> winning a national championship. And, 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 Kevin, you know the Monica, right? Oh, and who was getting ready to win the ACC championship and win? the win that? I said, they probably would have gotten going to win the ACC championship, the tournament, them versus Clemson. I don't know about <laughs> winning it, the, win it at all, something we've never seen, but shout-out to the Lady Seminoles uh, soccer team for, uh, for hoisting up another uh, uh, you know, another championship, um, another national championship, so shout-out to them. Does B.J. know who they played? Hey, be, listen, Do you
0: listen, know listen. who they played? No. BJ, I don't either. No, no.
1: BJ only knows who they played because Mama B, Mama Bennett probably told him. Because I do know last year they lost in a shootout. The lady, um, um, the lady who took off a jersey when it when we when uh, the US women's national team, it's like super like way, like in the right? 90s. Yeah. She, her, so famous we don't know her name. Sir, so that was famous, we do not <laughs> know her name, thing, but she is etched in uh in uh USA uh Olympics history. But no, last year they lost they they you know they they lost in a uh, penalty kicks to BJ was like do you know how we got the best? Uh, we got the best soccer team in the country. I said, okay, okay, BJ. It was Brandy Chastain. Hey, Brandy, Brandy Chastain. Yes. So shout out to Brandy. I, I apologize for not knowing, but she was actually at the game. It was her alma mater, and uh, they, um, you know, they beat, uh, they beat, uh, they beat uh, Florida State last year, and uh, you know, in the penalty kick. But they got, they got back to their winning ways. So, all right, BJ, you got it now. I will give a shout out to those men's, to the men's basketball team when. They win it all. That will be in February, but we will wait around to see.
0: Yeah,
1: I, uh, BJ tries to sneak stuff he, in he, there. He, that, that's BJ for you, all right, Kevin? He's quick to sneak something in, and he like it's what? And he will you let told- you know
0: every bad highlight you've ever had.
1: Oh, oh, oh then what oh, happened oh, when? No, 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 uh, not only will he let you know every bad highlight, nothing is Listen, p- people. If you've ever told BJ something in secret, <laughs> you better you better get a you better get an NDA or something signed because BJ will mention it on the air and hit you with the what. I wasn't supposed to say that. I said that in confidence. I said, listen, statute of limitations, you go to Kevin, NDA's, you need those for BJ. And you know, when it comes to Cam, hey man, listen. <laughs> Mr. Yeah. Steal, Your Girl is Cam Ursula. So <laughs> I'm just saying, that's all I'm saying. Now you can't, now can't, now Cam. Now Cam. saying what did they say what they say on the radio listen man we have fun on the show this is a family show just keeping it
0: yeah cam's gonna gonna, he's gonna gonna (laughs) leave the show
1: he's like i don't even know why
0: i got drugged into that i was sitting there minding my own business (laughs) running the the show and all of a sudden
1: what yeah Cam will go home and be like listen we 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 just was getting through a segment so we don't don't take that stuff serious yeah yeah exactly we got uh we got more to
0: get to coming up, final hour of the program. We'll look at bowl season coming up. Where where are some of the good ones at uh, that we are are talking about? We'll also uh, look at what Georgia's got to do here between now and the Orange Bowl. We've asked a lot of folks about that question. Uh, It was tough because, again, I think the mood of the fan base, and, again, Ben has been quick to point out, difference between fan base and a team, but a lot of expectation that that that, that mountain was going to get climbed, and it didn't. Final hour next. Good to have you back here, three and out. Final hour of the show. So much to get to here as we'll look at uh, the Orange Bowl upcoming, which is uh, round one or the semifinal of the college football uh, playoff as well. But, uh, Ben, it is bowl season coming up uh, for everybody else. For Alabama, Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati, it's the playoffs. For everybody else's bowl season, uh, which starts a week from Friday. Yes, we will have bowls a week from Friday uh, out there. Uh, For you to consume and let the madness begin there. But wanted to get kind of your thoughts, my thoughts on what are the bowl games that we are actually looking most forward to. I know I've been on record saying I don't like the fact there's too many bowl games. The fact that we just made one up so we could get all the bowl eligible teams in. Not a fan of that. But that doesn't mean there's not compelling matchups that have been put together uh, there in uh, in bowl season that I'm not interested. That that I am interested in. Uh, coming up. I will say that I did mine, Ben. I excluded the playoffs. Yeah. Because obviously I think the playoffs just in and of itself are interesting. Yeah. So my list didn't take that into effect. So if you're like, hey, Kevin did his list and he didn't say Georgia-Michigan. No, just like I think that goes without saying. Also, all mine, when it comes back to me, Ben, are, non-play- are non-playoff games. But the five bowl games you are most interested in, are what? Yeah, i, I is agree. what? I, I, I
1: do, I do agree with you, Kevin. I think that the playoffs kind of like speak for themselves, especially when you talk about you got three tradition-rich programs like you know Alabama, uh, you know, uh, you know Michigan, Georgia, and then you got obviously uh, you know the upstart in a sense that most people, even though they've been here a couple of years, Cincinnati. But uh, my, my top, my top five bowls. Number five is the Outback Bowl. I think uh, it's, it's, it's 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 Big Ten. Versus the good old SEC again. This year is Penn State of Arkansas. Old Coach Franklin, old Sam Pittman. We'll see what happens because Penn State needs to be waving the flag for the Big Ten because obviously, you know, you know the one thing old, old Coach Bob Stoops hates more than anything else. Even though he's in the Big Twelve, he can't stand you know the old SEC. They think they get too much pub. My number four, you know, no what? When I'm my, I'm sorry. My number three is the Alamo Bowl. I think Oregon versus Oklahoma. I mean, you got Oregon, who got you know uh, interim head coach, you know Brian, you know Bri- you know uh, Brian McClendon, uh, former uh, offensive coordinator for uh, the South Carolina because obviously the son of Willie McClendon, and Oklahoma. I mean, you know you, Brent Venables finally got out, finally came, finally got out of uh, you know uh, got from up on the Dabo Swinney. I mean, listen, that money they was throwing at him. I mean, he had to finally go ahead, go ahead and make it happen. My number, my number, my number three, the the Mayo bowl, UNC versus USC. Uh-huh, Mac Brown, Sam Howell, you know, versus Beamer Ball. I mean, look, if you go to South Carolina, South Carolina and North Carolina already don't like each other, you know, bordering states, you know, that's why they got the Carolina Panthers, you know, which represents both states. But I think this is a game to where I think I think, I think, think two years ago, I think USC played UNC the first game of the year in uh, Bank of America Stadium. You know, my son was there. He told me it was a great game. My, num- my number two, Gator Bowl. Uh, I want to see Texas and m versus Wake. I think that Jimbo Fisher got to find a way to go out with a bang. Wake, you know, Sam Hartman and what he was able to do this year. Kevin never, ever got the respect he earned, because, but not because of him, but because of where he played. Wake Forest, Demon Deeks, they're never, ever going to be the class of the ACC, even if they were one of the best teams in the ACC, obviously lost the pit in the ACC championship game. And my number one, Celebration Bowl. Look, when you think about HBCUs and you think about the fact that they always scratching the corner and say, look at us, look at us. South Carolina State. what it wake South Carolina State near and dear to me when I was back? You know, uh, you know, 16, 17 years old, getting in the recruiting circuit. Guy by the name of Coach Buddy Pugh. He was at uh, then. He was at then uh, on the staff at South Carolina under Lou Holtz. He is now the head coach for uh, South Carolina State. And, you, and if you look at the job that Deion Sanders has done to Jackson State, I mean, you know, I do love Jackson State. I mean, I'm super duper proud of Deion Sanders and the attention he's bringing to HBCUs. You got. Um, you got him uh, versus Coach But if you, you talk about uh, Eddie George, now the head coach at uh, Tennessee State. So Kevin, for me, I mean, I'm blessed enough to go to the Celebration Bowl two years ago with North Carolina A&T versus Alcorn State. But Dion Sanders says, give him a year. I mean, the only game they lost, Louisiana Monroe ran through all uh, the swag coming, so it should be a great game. So, you know, you talk, about, you talk about the Celebration Bowl, you talk about the Gator Bowl, you talk about the Alamo Bowl, you talk about the Mayo Bowl, and obviously ending up with that Outback Bowl. And obviously people are going to say, well, Ben, what about the Aspirilla Bowl? Well, you know I'm going to watch Florida versus UCF. And to the UCF fans, stop saying that Florida's ducking, y'all. That kind of stuff is ridiculous, but if that's going to be y'all narrative, so yeah. be it.
0: All right, those are good ones. Those are good ones. I got uh, my five, my number five, most interesting bowl game, not called the uh, the college football playoff. I'm going to the New Orleans Bowl, Louisiana versus Marshall. And you go, what's the big deal there? Two future conference opponents playing one another. Uh, and how do you start rivalries with stuff like this? Something strange could happen. I know Billy Napier's gone. I think Marshall uh, has got the, either a young head coach or, uh, going in there. Uh something weird happens, you have an automatic rivalry game coming up in a couple seasons when Marshall jumps into the Sun So I love games like this when it's like, hey, normally it'd just be a game. You say, who cares? These two teams, if it's like 42, 38, something crazy happens late, don't think these guys won't remember that when they become Absolutely. conference members uh, here, and potentially it's an every-year game, or it uh, could be a future Sun Belt Conference Championship game. Could be a lot of intrigue there early. My number four is the Gasparilla Bowl, uh, Ben. Central Florida and Florida. Why? Because Florida's ducking. No, I'm just kidding. No, I'm <laughs> but because there was these two teams, allegedly, yeah. wanted to play in the regular season, and they never could figure it out whether it was going to be a home-and-home, or no, we're not going to yeah. Orlando, Whatever it is, that makes it interesting to me. Uh, If Central Florida wins... I know it's... Oh, my God. If, I, if Florida, I'm going
1: to have to listen to the fans. But either way, and I will say this. I don't want to hear no who's not playing. Zach Ricardo playing the Kyrie Hila. Florida will be playing them UCF Knights. Nice, so, Brandon Marshall, you know, anybody with them UCF Knights, nice, you want to bet, I got $5 on the game you think, right You think, you
0: think, think Billy <laughs> Napier be like, they're out there with the B team. Exactly. So, no, <laughs> no, no you're really not going to say that. No. Yeah, yeah, he allowed
1: to say that nonsense.
0: No, I was say, but look, uh, so I think from that standpoint, that's a fun one to watch because those two teams will not play in the regular season. Not because there's not a want to, but because it's not to the other one's terms, right? Exactly. Hey, we want, we'll want we we'll play you. Come to Gainesville. Nope. How about we come to Orlando, play neutral site? Nope. How about we do home and home? Nope. Well, we're not going
1: to... Gainesville twice.
0: Well, then we're not playing.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, so, so I think I mean I think that brings some interest. We win the US, we USF this year and USF's coming to Florida next year. So Scott Strickland, I love the pettiness in you, sir. There, Keep there, being petty. Hey, there you go. Duke's Mayo Bowl, my number three. North Carolina, South Carolina.
0: It's a rival a border rivalry, not really a traditional rivalry, yeah. but it's the if you want to talk about pettiness, these are the two teams that go back and forth in this game. It's like, oh, we can wear Carolina on our shirt. We're the real Carolina. Oh yeah. Yeah. Do you remember that it's yes. Like, no, you need to put South Carolina because we are the real Carolina.
1: <laughs> no, you need to put. Should be, it should be a good listen. Yeah, AC, so, this is ACC versus ACC, ACC's finals. I
0: think. Yeah, I think, and that'll be uh, that'll be a fun one to watch. My number two, the Alamo Bowl, Oregon against Oklahoma. You got Bob Stoops back. Can we get Mike Bellotti coming back? Just an out. interim to interim. I, I mean, I know. Uh, Coach McClendon is yeah. now the uh, interim, but hey, why not? Mike Belotti's like, let's relive the uh, the the late 1990s. Yeah, that's, that's, why let's not? Live, let's
1: live the glory days. Yeah.
0: So come back, both two teams with interim coaches, uh, two teams that had playoff aspirations, two teams that are looking for the different direction that they are going. I think this could be actually. A, uh, a fun ball game with Oregon and Oklahoma there, just because of all the the, the chaos going on around both of those programs here within the last uh, two to three weeks. And my number one, the Sugar Bowl, Baylor and Ole Miss. Uh-oh. It will be 49-48. to 48. Uh, There will be so many points, I think, scored in this ball game uh, that it should be a lot of fun to watch. Now, I know uh, Baylor kind of deed up when it mattered against Oklahoma State, but nobody really has slowed down Ole Miss that much. And I think you're talking about top eight, top two top eight, two top nine teams. Yeah. Uh, when they play in the Sugar Bowl, that is going to be a lot of fun, a lot of offense in that in that football game. And for a non-playoff game, that's one you want to circle and say, let me check out that Sugar Bowl, and that's number one on my list. I mean, Kevin. And is then that, there's the, the, a lot of
1: bad. Let's talk uh, about the a lot of bad ones. Yeah, there's it, it's, it's, it's too many bad. Was the name? When BJ was going through so many bowls, I was like, Good lord, we ha, have they even picked the no name bowl? I'm game trying to again? think
0: what it is because I I never saw the release of what the name was going to be. So I don't. I'm sure it's out there because you have the bowl matchup set, but I have no clue as the to no, what it is.
1: is. I mean, should they just keep it at the no name bowl game? I mean, I mean, just just keep it that way because Kevin, sometimes we just. Listen, the Aspirilla Bowl used to be the B4 Brady's Bowl. And, and one of the players before said, do we, get a, do we get to go to Outback? No. Why? Because that's called the Outback Bowl. Wait a minute. Yes. I mean, the two are different, but we play in Tampa. Yeah, you can have a bowl game in the same cities. It is okay to do it, it is fine. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays playing St. Pete, the New York Jets, the New York Giants, they play in New Jersey. It happens. So, yes, but yes, Kevin, I mean, the no name bowl game shows that, look. Sometimes we want to make sure that everybody feels the love. They did get in. We just didn't have a game or city ready for them. But the uh, the the uh, the bowl game is always a time, you know, to spend some time in the city to like get more to your philanthropic type of uh, aspirations if you do indeed have those. And it's a time to just you know uh, spend some time with the fans, man. I mean, the people that make the game what it is, good or bad. I think it's time to just be and around. What, those and guys, what so. else
0: is it time for?
1: Time to get a little cheese.
0: Time for the goodie bags and the grab bags. I
1: mean, I mean, I mean. Let's I mean, be real. I mean, it, listen, there's a part on Jerry Maguire. We was looking at Jerry, we got look at him he like this. I, I don't want to hear What's up, Jerry? No, can I get some of that cheese? And listen, listen, uh, we don't deal with checks. We don't deal with cash apps. We deal with cold, hard cash. I'll take that cash. It's, I don't remember how much money I got in those bowl games. I do remember this. I remember getting that little envelope with the money in it, going to the mall, getting right, and like, dang. And, man, when we get some money? in Two days. <laughs> <laughs> I'm all already. So hey man, shout out to everybody that made the bowl game, man. It is just a it is, just a, it is a it is a celebration of the of the season that was. But, well, yes, Kevin Baylor and Old Miss, listen. If you're on defense, just take the day off cuz it's going it's going to be high scoring. Might
0: not be one to put on the resume tape if you're trying to get to the next <laughs> level.
1: Hey man, it should be listen, Old Miss, come out with the powder blues, man. If you're going to be on if you're going to be good, listen, good weather inside the dome. Go out there and make it happen in our good old New Orleans.
0: All right, Ben, honestly, I, and again, obviously I made a joke about the uh, you know the gift bags. That's a that's kind of a big deal. It is about and maybe it's not as big a deal across the board because of the NIL stuff that's out there, but I feel like back in the day it was like, hey, here's a little you know, flat screen or maybe an yes. Xbox or a PlayStation Five. Yes. But now I think a lot of those guys have that kind of stuff. What yeah.
1: what what's the gift that you want if you go to the if you go to the bowl game? Well, I mean, think about this, Kevin. You I mean, watches? I mean, I mean, yeah, but I, I, I will say this. The, the, I, I, me, personally, I'm there for the cold, hard cash. Even the greenbacks, giving <laughs> them ducats. But I think what happens is, Kevin, think about this. You know, every, it, that's the perception battle. Everybody think these college kids. We hit the NILs. That's still a very, 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 very limited amount of student athletes. Most guys ain't got a dime. You get some gifts, hey man, those gifts, you can put them, you can put them in a gift. You can wrap them up. Those become great uh, you know, great uh stocking stuff for your family members. Cause what it's about, you know, you see the family members, you know, wearing the stuff. So you get all the, you know, all the uh all the apparel, all the free stuff. That's what that's the kind of stuff you You got give your away. Outback Bowl polo? Where where's that at? Man, I, listen, I had a uh, I don't know what happened. I I had a uh I had a sugar bowl letterman jacket. It was nice, man. It was all black with the, and the thing is. Now one of my cousins, Ryan, here got it. They're gonna make sure not wear in front of me. But Kevin, you know, from the chair, my age. That's when. Listen, I got good old DVD player. Good old. Now this this one made me mad though. My senior year, it was it was a choice between Outback and the and the uh, and the Peach Bowl, right? My coach said, "Thought y'all boys wanted to go to Tampa." We was we was in Tampa last year. Like we (laughs) living there. We live in Gainesville, Florida. We could drive to Tampa. And listen, we get off the we get off the uh, we get off the plane or oh, get off the bus or whatever in our uh, Tampa. All the uh, my junior year, all the Michigan guys, uh, they getting out with camcorders like this. I said, "What?" Once again, Coach, said, I didn't think y'all wanted that. Coach, have you met us? Like, wh- why are y'all not picking the best stuff? This thing, though, uh, Kevin. Even though I only went to one, went to the SEC championship game. I said, "Boy, you getting rings?" The like guys said, "This stuff here is nice." So I will say. Kevin, because you want to roll out the red carpet, if we had a you know a three-and-out ESPN Coastal Bowl game, this is the thing. You're going to get everybody in this, in this general vicinity wanting to give us stuff to cater to the players. And the people that's putting it on, they get that stuff too. So we think it's all about the cash, but I'm just saying, man, some gift card apparel, you know, some, some gift cards here, Kevin, some flat. Listen, everybody will take a flat screen. They're like, hey, man, who them 75 inches for? That's for y'all. y'all <laughs> gotta, oh, I could get it back to GVL. now. Nah, I can have so it is about the gift though, Kevin. Because I tell you what, for every team that made it, there's a bunch of teams that didn't. So it don't think that it's it's about the game. I get it, but I want that cash. I want that free stuff. And who knows, man? Some of these guys they're going to play their last game. You could be potentially walking into, uh, you know, a, a potential like sponsor. That could be somebody giving you a job. So you might want to be on your best behavior because you might be walking out of Florida and all these places, walking into a new job. Which which ain't nothing wrong with that either.
0: Yeah, what's the what's the best thing you did not football related around the the bowl game? I know, uh, obviously, there's usually a trip, yeah, uh, to visit some children yeah. and, and some the, the philanthropic stuff, but also they've had like team bowling nights yeah. and, th- and things like that. What was uh, something like that? I
1: went when, when we went to when we went to New Orleans, we got to go to the Children's Hospital down there, and I was just a freshman then. My sophomore year, we was in the Orange Bowl, and uh, my and the Spurrier was like, "Hey man, we going to the Children's Hospital?" I got to go to the Children's Hospital, and I got to do Read to America. And I just really, really liked it. I am really young, 19 years old. I'm trying to figure life out. But it's fun because you think you know how much people love college It's half you, as you say, Kevin, it's half me, half the brand. People love it. They love it. And we down there in South Florida, and people's loving it. So for me, it really, really, you know, sparked something in me, man, that, that never left. I mean, I never ever thought I'd be doing philanthropic stuff, not volunteer stuff now, but that stuff got cemented in it when I was in college. So, hey I man, take full advantage of it. Cause and I will say this, and, I, and my teammates can appreciate this. It's not gonna be a line fighting, trying to go to them hospitals. Cause certain guys, they so focused on the game. But hey, man, I got to go to Tampa twice. Got to go to Ebor City, but uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> twice. But I got to go. I got to go to South Florida. Uh, got a chance to go to uh, New Orleans, Kevin. And like I said, a country boy like me, man. I, you know, I'm like most. If I would've never played no college football, ain't no planes. Ain't no <laughs> airports. Ain't no. But it, it, but it's fun, man. You get to, you get to discover. Something bigger than the and I got to get on the jet ski the first time when I was in the and when I was in Miami and I didn't know they had like police on the water. I mean, well, I'm hitting, man, <laughs> i might have hit, i the police <laughs> come and say what you <laughs> And I'm like, I said, you the police? He said, Yeah, you about to get a ticket, and you can see like spreading. I don't know. He yeah. So, hey man, got a chance to do some incredible stuff, man. So I I would say just enjoy. I wasn't playing as much. The guys that don't play as much have way more fun than the guys who do, so I would say I wasn't playing as much then, so <laughs> I, I got a chance to enjoy the city a little bit more. A little less business trip yes, on those yes, occasions. We've yes. got more to come here.
0: Three and out, hit us up on Twitter, at Pigskin Radio. Love to hear from you. You can also share a comment on uh, Facebook or our YouTube page, and uh, join us there as we are across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network, streaming live on ESPNCoaster.com, and our live video streaming on Facebook, Twitter. Good to have you back here, three and out, on this Tuesday. Georgia. Coming off the tough loss in the SEC Championship game, getting ready for Michigan in the Orange Bowl bin. Obviously, we, we talked about the, the talking points. And, again, you can say there's a difference in fans and program. Kirby Smart was not saying that, obviously. But from the fan base, from the national media, it was now's the time. Georgia's looked so good. Time to climb the mountain and, and get over Alabama. And not only did that happen, I lost by multiple scores, gave up an all-time performance uh, to Bryce Young, uh, in the SEC championship game, what do they need to do between now and the Orange Bowl to kind of get that back? Is it look at the quarterback? Is it pass rush? What is it that they need to focus on between now and that semifinal game?
1: <clears throat> well, the the, the easiest uh, answer that question uh, themselves. Like, take a deep breath. First, first, just take a deep breath. Look at who you who look at who you lost against. When people say things like, "Oh, Georgia lost to Alabama," how many teams say that? A bunch of teams, every team lost to him in 2020. Texas AM, the only team that said they beat him in 2021. When last time Georgia beat Alabama? And that I, took a last second field goal, absolutely. by the way. Absolutely. <laughs> I, and I will say this make a decision that Stetson is the guy. Because I do, I do say, I do think, Kevin, a lot of it be noise, because this is something that we talked about. If I told you a guy was you know, six feet, 180 pounds, you would think that's too small. That would be Bryce Young. That's how big or not big he is. See, that's the thing about Bryce Young. He's so good as a player. He's not big. There's nothing big about Bryce Now, his game is big, but it's the thing about Stetson. Me and BJ were talking about this. Kevin, outside of Mississippi State, what has JT Daniels done to make you say, oh, my God, he's the guy. He hasn't, I mean, he's been all right. It's like, if I keep on saying, hey, dude, this dude is going to be, going to be, going to be, going to be, going to be what? The greatest ability that Stetson has that J T. Daniel doesn't have is availability. Stetson has always hurt. Now I, I'm not blaming him on that, but you can't make the club in the tub, right?
0: I mean, the, you said you said it backwards. The other way around. I'm you sorry. Said Stetson was always hurt. No, it's J T. JT Daniels, JT, Daniel's always hurt. has been banged but up now, quite a bit, but, yeah.
1: now, but, now, but now, Kevin, it becomes this: if you are the pass rush, you have to stop learning how to rush the passer. You got, you got to, you got to just force that quarterback to get off his spot and make throws. You nobody can run the ball on you, so that's that's still apparent. But if you are the secondary. You're going to have to make one-on-one plays. You're going to have to find a way uh, to win those 50-50 battles. Now, I don't think you got to worry about Bryce Young running out there. I don't think you got to worry about that. But I think what the Georgia team got to understand is that team across from them can beat you. Like, this notion of – Kevin, and you. The, the reason why Kermit Smart is always talking about, man, he kept saying this was a reality check. Like, don't – when people say, they don't listen to the noise, you know why you got to tell people that? Because they do. Man, you eighteen to twenty four year old. I'm no, I'm number one team in the country. We ain't gave up a less than ninety points all year. We the we the best thing. We the, we are the clear cut number one. Then my, then he, then, listen listen. And here comes the equalizer. known as Alabama, who Kevin what didn't look like themselves. Got to go to overtime, you know, to beat Auburn and you know look at look at was against LSU when you lose to Texas A&M. But then when you but then. People say Alabama played their best game. I don't know if Alabama played their best game. I think Alabama just played better. So if you are Georgia, Kevin, you do like anybody does. You brush yourself off. You take a deep breath. You understand who you played. You go and you look at the tape. You reevaluate what you didn't do well. You don't point the finger. You don't say, well, look over here. Nope, 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 nope. Because the only way you can point the finger at another player is if you had a perfect game, and I have yet to see it. I've yet to see a perfect player or a perfect game. I've seen great performances, but not perfection. So if you are Georgia, you get back to what you used to do. What got? Listen, you lost one game and it was to Alabama. So it's not like what you are doing didn't work, but you got to know this when it come to when it come to Michigan. Michigan beat the team they had to get over the hump with. They beat Ohio State. Yeah. They and Harbaugh, you Kevin. It's like Harbaugh ain't never lost a game. Oh my God, I told. Well, Harbaugh has something that most coaches don't have a universe, and that's patience, because. He was, a, he was the greatest Aiden folk coach you've ever seen before this season. But another thing Michigan has, they have a Heisman Trophy candidate at defensive end. Georgia might have Heisman Trophy consideration players like Jordan Davis and what may have you. Michigan is good enough to go toe-to-toe with Georgia because they got big, cornbread-fed offensive linemen <laughs> that want to run the football that's good at stopping the pass. And the thing is, Kevin, is this. If you, and I, you know, I'm not here to call names, but if you are Nolan Smith, you guys got to win the one-on-one battles because if Jordan Davis take up two tackles and the Kobe Dean, they bring him in the, on pass, rush to down, somebody got to win. But don't panic, man. You won the last four teams standing. I don't, I don't think you just lose your mind. I don't think you just, you know, rip everything up. But you see why Nick Saban says, I don't let my players get caught up in news clippings and narratives and, and all these things because until you have done it, it ain't nothing to talk about. Alabama don't play for NC championship games. They play, they play to win them, but they playing for Natties. Georgia, because think about this, Kevin, the SEC media days is going to be interesting no matter what. Either Alabama's going to come in, won the SEC and won the National Championship, or Georgia can potentially come in, not have won the SEC and still won that championship, because I want to say in 2018, Georgia won the SEC in 2018. Who won the National Championship? That would be Alabama. And I think that that's the kind of thing make you don't look too far down the road. But I think that this this Michigan team is more dangerous. Than people give them credit for every time people think Georgia's just gonna look, let me tell y'all something, man. Y'all better watch out for the Michigan board. They play ugly. It ain't it ain't pretty to watch. But you look up at the scoreboard. It's 21-17 Michigan going into the fourth quarter. Cause Michigan gonna want to make it ugly and sloppy. Georgia gonna need to just get back to what they do. You know they still got Jordan Davis and the Kobe Dean, who's a Buckers award winner. And I think he's on the Good Works team, uh, yeah. which which is even more incredible. Stick stick with Stetson. Find find somebody other to throw the football to other than Brock Bowers. Well, I mean that, that's a, that's
0: interesting it. question. Is like George Pickens? He played a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in that SEC championship game, how much? Three weeks from now, is he going to be? Able to play? How much does he want to play? I, mean, I say how much, but that yeah. as uh, Christian as I uh, talking, how much does that go into considering how much he wants to play with potential millions of dollars out there? But how much can he be utilized three weeks from now in a game like that?
1: I, th- I think he be utilized uh, incredibly if you if you got to be smart though. Like I don't think he plays every single snap on offense. That's that's not good for him. That's not good for Georgia. But if you don't think that that Michigan secondary saw what he did, the one play that he made impactful, I mean, that's what you one-on-one balls, you throw it to the sideline, made the best man get. I mean, it made the best man win. But Kevin, you know just like I know. If George Pickens don't run off that field, because that's the thing people don't get. I'm weighing my future. I mean, I think it's great that George is number one. He got a chance to come back and play in the SEC championship game. But I remember Jalen Waddle last year in the national championship game. No pun intended. He was wilding around. He was running, <laughs> limping. He really, really was. And the thing about it is, is I don't want George Pickett to think that whatever decision he makes is a bad one. If he wants to play, let him play. But you got to hold him back, even if you do let him play. And if he don't want to play, hey man, I don't feel. I don't. I don't. I, I wouldn't fault that young man. And that thing, Kevin, is every opt outs only happen in games and bowl games that don't matter. Ain't ain't, ain't gonna be too many opt outs in, in the final four. That, nope. that, that that's not happening. But if you are Georgia, respect Michigan, which they will. Brush yourself off, take a deep breath, which they should, and get back to doing what you're doing. Because if you try to come out there getting cute, them boys from Ann Arbor, they can play football, man. It ain't, like I said, it ain't pretty. But they are the Big Ten champion. And they played Penn State. And they beat the brakes off Ohio State. Oh my God, Iowa showed up. If yeah. you want to call it that. So if you Georgia, man, get back to being you. Yeah, going to be interesting to watch how Georgia
0: develops here over the next two or three weeks mentally, getting ready for the bounce back game against Michigan there in the Orange Bowl. We got so much more to get to here on Three and Out all across the Southern Pigskin. Things going on, Ben? It's going to be a wild run up here to the 15th of December when we get uh, that early signing period and see how the Brian Kellys, Lincoln Rileys, how many of these guys were pledged somewhere else all of a sudden end up. Where the new coach uh, is headed there in college football. Should be uh, very interesting. But again, you're talking about the, the timetable has moved in college football for these coaches. I mean, people forget USC has been open since the third week of the season. And it used to be you get to the rivalry weekend. Okay, didn't go our way. Didn't have a great season. You're done. All right, we'll take the early portion of December. We'll find our coach. Maybe have the coach hired by the time the first week of bowl games are going on. And then January, February, we can do that. Can't do that anymore. Uh, Because if if you're a P5 program especially, most of these guys are doing 80-85% of their class in the early signing period and finishing up there on National Signing Day in February. Some of these G5 schools, your Louisiana's, your Georgia Southern's, we've seen Ben. 50%, 60% 50%, 60% of their class done in the early signing period, and then they see how it falls and go finish up their class in February. So now it's, hey, if we feel like this thing's going south, we're going to break somebody loose in November, try to get a coach by uh, Thanksgiving, December 1st, and hit the ground
1: running. It, it depends on really the approach. I know Bill Napier, a uh, new head coach in Florida, Kevin, he's come out and said, I'm not going to focus too much on the early signing period because I know I'm going to be at a disadvantage. And that's based off what he's seen previous, you know, previously done with Dan Mullen and the guys that came before him. If you are the Georgias, the Alabamas, the Ohio States, the Oklahoma's the USC's of the world, you have to make sure that your class in the top five, top ten, not just from perception-wise, but it shows that I was able to build the momentum of the previous coach. Now, I will say this, Kevin. When you talk about a team like Miami, Mario Cristobal, just got – you know, Jess became the head coach yesterday. Can he? Can he do what he said? And being able to keep the South Florida kids in South Florida. So, Kevin, I mean, the perception. Back, listen, college football is two things. One, the college football playoff because it's so prestigious. But two, these these national recruiting rankings. Because if you don't, you want to you want to see your fan base lose their mind. Why do these recruiting rankings come out? You in the top. You in the top 25 when you're supposed to be in the top 15. You're in the top 15, you were supposed to be in the top 10. you in the top 10, you were supposed to be in the top five. Coaches, the honeymoon is over. You've done your preliminary, you've done your introduction press conference, but scared money don't make money. Speaking is spent, loving it. But, Kevin, you know what you're like, I know. The recruiting rank is coming out, they counting five stars. Then they yeah. counting four stars. Then they counting stars, period. Like, dude, what? Because you know what you're like, I know, Kevin, You it's literally. I mean, we ain't getting the guy with. Let me tell y'all something. You're not gonna. These are 18 to 21 year olds. <laughs> don't don't let the loser syndrome come out and start DMing these young people because they chose. I don't know, Georgia Tech over Duke. Don't, because st- Kevin, you know it's gonna come out. A bunch of grown men <laughs> talking about they don't care, they don't get it. Nope. recruiting is the lifeblood of every program, and you want to make sure you you know you you win the perception battle. Because Kevin, if you start losing in 2022, they're gonna go back. The early sign of the spirit in 2021 to say we didn't get anybody, but hey man, whatever strategy you got, make sure it's a winning one. Because you know what I got? I know, Kevin, if you can't get them, if you can't get them them players in there, I don't tell what type of scheme, you, got, yeah. you will not beat the elite programs out there.
0: Yeah, the best coach in the world A- can't overcome uh, <laughs> the other team having really, really, really good yes. talent on the other side of the, the football field. Appreciate George Foster joining us here. Former Georgia offensive lineman, William McClendon, former uh, All-American at Georgia, 1978 SEC Player of the Year and David Waters. Gators Breakdown joined us back in our number two looking at Billy Napier and his kind of first couple of days there officially on the job at Florida. We got some basketball coming up for you later tonight, Jimmy. Classic, and we got more to break down tomorrow, Wednesday edition of the show. We'll see you tomorrow here, three and out, all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.